Oh, that's great. Well, friends, so good to have you as we kick off the Thanksgiving week. And uh, my desire for you and for myself is that we would be full of gratitude for God's blessings in Jesus Christ, that we would find our identity only in Jesus Christ. And to explore this theme, we want to look at a very well-known story about the healing of the ten lepers next week. Uh, we're going to finish up the Elijah series. A week after that, we're going to start our Carol series that you heard about. So if you could take your Bibles out at this time and turn to Luke 17, 11 through 13. Luke 17, 11 through 13. You read there on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except the foreigner? And he said to them, Rise and go your way, and your faith has made you well. Now, in understanding this passage, we have to understand leprosy. In that day, it was the number one fear that people had to contract leprosy. Leprosy was a bacteria today known as Hansen's disease. What Hansen's disease does is it blocks uh, the nerves uh, from working, especially in the extremities. And what happens is is that you do get sores and things of that nature with leprosy, but what they've found is most of the damage comes because you no longer have a pain warning system in a lot of parts of your body. And therefore, you do things and you damage your body because the pain warning system does not go off. Now, usually we don't like the pain warning system, but actually, of course, as you know, it protects us from harming ourselves fuller, um, uh, more fully, and also, it tells us when something's wrong uh, with our body. Now, Dr. Paul Brand is an expert in this area. He studied leprosy over in India. And what he found was is that people would do things uh, that you normally wouldn't do. For example, uh, there was a woman who was over a charcoal fire and a potato fell into it, and she reached into the fire and took it out. That didn't cause her any pain, but severely damaged her skin. Then you had a young boy who was only 10 years old, and he was with Dr. Brandt. And Dr. Brandt was trying to turn a key in a, in a rusty lock, and he couldn't do it. And the boy said, I'll do it. And he turned it, and it opened. Then all of a sudden, blood started to drop from his hand. And he looked at his hand, and it had been cut to the bone. But he couldn't feel a thing. So these lepers back in that particular day, uh, they again didn't feel anything, and they lost Fingers and toes, eyebrows, nose, and limbs. Uh, they didn't know that they were even hurting themselves. They were a very serious situation. No way to treat it back in that day. And it was very contagious. So the Bible is very clear about the, the civil law, about how to handle certain medical issues, because they didn't have doctors, that if you were a leper, you could no longer live within society. You had to move to a leper's colony because it was so contagious. So 
To contract leprosy pretty much meant your life was over. You could no longer be around your family, your friends, your synagogue, your job. You had to go and live with other lepers. So these people were disenfranchised. Uh, They were ostracized. They were quarantined. It was a very, very difficult life. So with that understanding, let's look again at this passage. Verse 11, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, as many of you know, the Jews hated the Samaritans because they had intermarried with Gentiles and kind of created their own religion. So they were very hateful, very prejudiced against them. But Jesus, of course, wasn't. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well and how he reached out to her and many other Samaritans. And as he entered a village, as Jesus constantly did, he traveled from place to place, going to different villages and meeting with people, teaching them, healing them, ministering to them. He was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Now, I can imagine at this point in his ministry, in fact, uh, they, they say to him, Jesus, Master, uh, which is unusual uh, to be used in the gospel, but the idea of Master meant notable and authority. So Jesus was known. He, he was far enough along in his ministry that people knew who Jesus was, and they knew that he healed people. And I can imagine maybe these ten lepers knew Jesus was coming. And so they were just waiting for him to come in order that they might be healed. So they were there at the village. He met the ten lepers who stood at a distance because that was the law. They had to stand at a distance so no one would, again, catch leprosy or contract it as a bacteria. And they would always yell. In fact, when they came into a village, they would say, Unclean! 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 So everybody would know to back away when they came by. And he lifted, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These people knew they had a physical need. Now, friends, when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one thing that keeps people from knowing Jesus is pride. They think they're good enough for God. Now, many times they think that because someone told them that. Because they were baptized as a child. They were they're good enough for God because they went to a series of classes. They're good enough for God because they go to church so many times. They're good enough for God because uh, they're a good enough person in the way that they treat others and the way they care for their families. They're good enough for God. And that is Satan's biggest lie to people. You're good enough for God. You're a good enough person. You don't have to worry about... Jesus Christ and the salvation He offers. In fact, some people say, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. But when you really talk to them, they're still depending upon their good works for salvation. Like you say, well, if you died tonight and went to heaven, why should Jesus let you in? They say, well, I've been a pretty good person. No, no, no. No. It's only because of what Jesus Christ did for you that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you could be good enough for God... There would be no reason for Christmas. There would be no reason for Easter. There would be no reason for Jesus Christ to come to this earth if you were good enough for God. You're not good enough for God. I'm not good enough for God. We're all sinners. We're all condemned. And that's why God sent Jesus Christ to this world in order to live a life 
of God and man at the same time, and then to hang upon that cross and bear our sins, to take the punishment that we deserved in order that we, get this, get this clearly, we as individuals might come to God and say, God, I'm not good enough for you. I'll never be good enough for you. Therefore, I recognize what Jesus Christ did in the cross, that He died on my behalf, that He took the punishment for my sins so I wouldn't have to experience that penalty. And I repent of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I want to turn from my sins. And I want you to be my Savior. I want you to save me from eternal punishment. And I accept what you have for me. And I'm going to be in heaven someday, not because of anything I did on this earth, but because I received your free gift of salvation and your righteousness was placed upon me. Now, I, I say that because we've moved into the fall here, and, and some of you who have come recently, I, I just want to make sure you know what we teach here, that, that, that you can never be good enough for God. And maybe you're here today, and, and you've been thinking more about your spiritual life since you started to attend Springbrook, and as I just made that presentation, you're thinking, am I dependent on my good works to get to heaven? Am I dependent on being good enough? Well, Friends, if you have any inkling, if it crossed your mind in terms of your relationship with God that you have to be good enough, well then, you know that you need to come to God and say, God, I got nothing. I got nothing. I need you. I need all of you. That's what it means to become a Christ follower. Put your faith in Christ. And I, I challenge you. I encourage you. I ask you to make a decision. to Put your full faith in Jesus Christ and put no faith in yourself. You got nothing. You need Jesus Right? Now, these men were aware of their physical need, not their spiritual need. But I applied that to our spiritual need. I'll be talking a little bit more about that uh, later. Well, verse 14, Jesus Christ sees these men crying out for help. Then he says something very unusual. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, he had encountered other lepers, and he was not afraid to touch lepers. He had no concern about that. Jesus touched a lot of sinners. He went to the people who were down and outers, the people that other people rejected. Jesus loved sinners. He had no problems with lepers, but to these particular lepers, he said, I want you to go to the priests. Now, why would he do that? Well, the priests back in that day were in charge of the civil law. They were the health inspectors. And if a person, for some reason, was no longer a leper, they needed to be certified as healthy in order to re-enter into society. So, if for whatever reason you were no longer a leper, you had to go to the priest, you had to say, yes, you are no longer a leper, you had to go to Jerusalem, to the temple, to make certain sacrifices. It was like a week process just to do everything you needed to do to become fully engaged in the community. Again, I mean, it was a wonderful process because you no longer had leprosy, but it was quite involved. You can read more about it in Leviticus 13 and 14. So, uh, these men were told to go to the priests. And what Jesus Christ was saying is, I'm going to heal you. And you need to go to the priests because by the time you get there, you are going to be whole again. You are going to be cleansed. Now, they're standing there and they still are missing fingers and they still have sores on their body. And they're saying, why should we go to the priest? Maybe that's what they might have been thinking initially. But we see that they did go to the priests, even though they weren't healed initially. We read on in this passage, and it says, 
when he saw them, and he said to them, Go, show yourselves the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed. They're wa- I don't know how far the priests were away, but some point along the way, they were cleansed. You can imagine these guys. Maybe they're talking back and forth about Jesus and what they're doing. All of a sudden, their fingers start to grow back. <laughs> and their sores disappear. And their, their, grows, uh, excuse me, their toes uh, start to grow back. And, and their nose starts to become whole. And, and, and their bodies become whole. Can you imagine how exciting that must have been for them after having dealt with leprosy for who knows how many years to be completely healthy once again. When you think about different individuals like uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, we know her, of course, uh, from her paralysis when she had a diving accident when she was 16 and has gone on to do incredible ministry uh, for God. But just imagine if you turned on a Christian radio station, this probably would be nationwide news, if she stood up from her wheelchair. Today, she stood up, and she jumped, and she walked, and she ran. Wouldn't that be incredible? I think of Billy Graham. How many saw uh, Billy Graham's last sermon? Anybody see that on TV? Uh, it was a great evangelistic presentation. And Billy Graham, I think he's back in the hospital again with uh, <clears throat> congestion issues, and uh, he's had Parkinson's, and He's 95, but he's not doing very well. We can pray for him. But just imagine if God instantly healed him. I mean, he'd still be 95, but at the same time, there's a lot of healthy 95-year-olds out there. And just imagine if he got on TV and he was just like him old self, the same amount of energy, no health issues. Wouldn't that be amazing? Or, or think about somebody in your own life. Think about somebody you love and care for, maybe a, a parent or a grandparent or someone else who has some type of illness, and, and if you could give that kind of miracle to one person, who would you give it to? And all of a sudden, all their ailments would be gone. They'd be totally healthy. Wouldn't that be incredible? Yeah. Say, yes, that would be incredible. Yes, that would be incredible. <laughs> It'd be very exciting, wouldn't it? Yeah. And that's what happened to these guys. I mean, we've got to get into the story, right? We've got to feel it. We've got to feel what happened here. We can read it, but you've got to feel it like, wow, unbelievable. Wow! The Bible upside down. I'm so excited. All right. So, uh, it hits them. And, and what happens? It says, verse 15, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. All right, you got ten guys. And one guy... When this transformation takes place, he's walking along, and all of a sudden he's got a brand new body. He does a 180, and he runs back to Jesus. And he praises God with a loud voice. He's recognizing Jesus as God or a representative of God. We're not sure. But he knew that God was in this thing, right? Praising God with a loud voice. Now, back in that day... When you had leprosy, it attacked your larynx, so they had raspy voices. And they're always, you know, shouting, unclean, unclean, unclean. They were always shouting. But this guy, this guy now had a full, mature voice. And he was praising God. 
I tell you what, everybody in the region knew something was going down. People were coming outside of their houses, outside of the stores. They knew something was happening. This guy was just ecstatic. He was jumping, he was dancing, and he came to Jesus. And he praised God, and he fell at Jesus' feet and gave him thanks. What a beautiful picture of just unbridled worship. This man knew what went down. He knew that he had been healed by God and that Jesus had brought that to him. And he just gave himself over to Jesus and said, Oh, Jesus, I love you so much. I'm so thankful. Thank you. He knew that there was a supernatural connection that took place there. And he was overwhelmed by it. And friends, that is the heart of thanksgiving. That is what we desire for ourselves, that we would be overwhelmed with God's goodness and love and mercy and grace and respond in that way. In fact, I, I want to encourage you, men, I want you to lead your families today. I want you, I want you to lead your families back to Springbrook tonight at 6 o'clock, 6 to 7.30. We're going to have a great time worshiping, hour and a half, half of it worship, half of it people just talking about what God is doing in their lives, and you men are saying, hey, there's going to be whining if I say that. Well, if it's you, you've got to deal with that situation. <laughs> you've got to lead your families. Your kids are going to whine. You've got to tear away from the TV, from the game council, from the game, whatever it might be. But, men, you need to lead your children here in order that they might hear the glory of God, in order that they might understand who God is. We have child care up through age five, but over five, they should be here. I, mean, I remember being growing up, I was in all kinds of meetings like that, worship times together. We want you to be here because it's discipleship. You're discipling your families, men. Please, please be with us. Lead your families here. At the end of this service, we're going to have an opportunity uh, for you to come forward and to rejoice, to rejoice over what God has done in your lives. In the service that we had at 9 o'clock, I had... Two individuals come forward and just thank God for what God was doing in their lives. Be thinking about that right now. We want you to come forward and rejoice in what God is doing in your life. This is Thanksgiving week. We should practice because we've been, we should be thanking God all week long and all year uh, long. All right. Now, the one guy was a Samaritan. The nine guys that didn't come back were Jews. So verse 17 and Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Three rhetorical questions. He didn't expect any answers from anybody. We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Where is everybody? I mean, this is what I expect. This is what I expect. You, you gave me praise and glory and and uh, what was due me, where are the other nine guys? And this is where this story, I believe, in a sense is parabolic. I, I believe it really did happen, of course. But it's really a statement about the Jews. As we know, Jesus Christ came down uh, to give himself as a Messiah to the Jews. But the Jews rejected him, right? They killed him. They killed their Messiah. So uh, what he's saying here is kind of capsulizing how the Jews responded to him. The Samaritan came back, came back, 
and gave him praise and acknowledged him as God. But the Jews didn't. What did the Jews do? Where were these nine guys anyway? Well, they were going to the priests because they, they, they were going to be healed. And they had been healed. And, and they wanted to go through all the different steps in order to be reintroduced into the community. But they did not want to recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And I believe all these, I think about all of them knew that Jesus Christ uh, was something very, very special. But they, they, they didn't care. They didn't care. They rejected Him. They took what Jesus could give them. They went to the priests, and then they went through the ceremonial uh, week, and they were reintroduced into the community, but they did not come back and acknowledge Jesus Christ as their healer. And I I believe what's happening in this passage is Jesus is making a a commentary, a commentary on the fact that the Samaritan responded uh, to the healing and thanksgiving, but the Jews did not. Jesus Christ came to minister uh, to His chosen people, and they rejected Him, just as these nine guys rejected Him by not coming back to show the gratitude that they should their Messiah. Well, we move on in this passage. Uh, we see in Luke 17:19, And He said to them, uh, said to him, that is a Samaritan, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, what's He talking about here? He was already well. He had already been healed. But this is another type of healing. He had a physical healing. Now, this is a spiritual healing that just took place. In fact, uh, your faith has made you well. Made you well is sozo, the word for salvation. Not only had this guy been physically restored, but because of his faith, because of his faith in Jesus Christ, acknowledging him as the healer, Jesus Christ brought salvation to this man's life. And remember how excited we were when we thought about uh, Johnny Erickson Tata and Billy Graham? We get really excited when we see physical things happen, when we see people healed. And, and that's all good. We should get excited. But we should get so much more excited when a person's life is transformed by Jesus Christ. Because that has eternal ramifications. In this body, we're, we're all going to die unless Jesus comes back. We're all going to die, but when a person is transformed by God spiritually, they become part of his family, as I talked about earlier, that is really exciting. I mean, that's like forever. And that's the mission of this church. The mission of this church is to let people know that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is the one who can be everything. Jesus is your identity. You need to accept Jesus. You need to walk with Jesus. You need to grow in Jesus that's what we're all about. That's why we're here. That's why we serve. That's why we give. That's why we live together in, in fellowship. It's all because of Jesus, all right? Now, 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 this man realized it, and he was saved. And that's what we get excited about. We, we, we need to be so thankful for our own personal salvation as well as the salvation of other people. Now, I, I, start, I start to think about thanksgiving. And when I watch the news shows, and they always have these uh, interviews with people, what are you thankful for? And they put the mic in their face. Uh, let's go to this next slide. What are they thankful for? Well, I find that people are thankful for three broad categories. Relationships, their family, friends, things like that. Their health, 
And certainly as you grow older, you become more thankful for that. You think more about how precious that is. And resources, having a job, having the finances uh, you need, uh, meeting different bills, things of that nature. But, you know, I look through prayer lists. Those are the three categories that I typically see. And there's nothing wrong with that. God wants to bless us in those areas. We should be so grateful uh, to Him uh, for that. But many times that's where it stops. And the problem with that is that we many times can be thinking like the world, that God is good if He gives me the relationships, if He gives me the health, if He gives me the resources, if He doesn't give me what I think I need, then God is not delivering. Okay? Now let's go and look at uh, some false identities. We talked about this last week. and This is really the heart of so many of our problems, is that we try to find, try to find significance in the wrong things in life. And we always end up disappointed unless it's Jesus. All right? Achievement identity, what I've done. If anybody has ever called you an overachiever, you might have an achievement identity problem. In the sense that, yeah, we all want to find our identity in Christ, but when we sin, we usually have a default identity that we slip into. So yours might be achievement. And so when you think about yourself, well, I'm important because I got this education and I have this job and I've had these jobs and I've accomplished this in my life, whatever it might be. Now, I'm an overachiever. That's why I'm significant. Or maybe it's a stuff identity. It's what I have. And now as we enter into the culture, or excuse me, now we enter into the season of greed. <laughs> now, it's a wonderful season, no doubt. But I do think it tends to bring out the greed in us. Uh, Black Friday, nothing against it. But again, I, I ask all of us, including myself, as we head into this Christmas season, to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us with every purchase we make. You know, why am I buying this? Am I buying this because I need it, because I want to bless other people, or am I buying it because uh, I'm envying someone else? Am I buying this because I have a stuff identity that I think this thing is going to make me feel better about myself? If that's the case, don't buy it. All right? Nothing wrong with buying stuff and gifts and all that kind of thing. But I think it's a really good time to really, as you purchase things, is to always ask the question, why am I buying this? Okay? might have a stuff identity. Or a relational identity. Who I know. Some people, their identity is wrapped up in their spouse. Some with their children. Some uh, with a certain group of people in the community or being, you know, knowing certain people. Whatever it might be. These are the false identities that mislead us. There's only one true identity, and you see it here, and that is your true significance is found in Jesus Christ alone. Period. Period, yes. Bring it on. Bring it on. Come on on. Yeah. All right. Amen. Now, that's easy to say. It's another thing to live out. In fact, it will take your whole life, your whole life until you die. And even when you, you die, you'll still be far from where you need to be. But the point is that you're growing in the fact that your identity is found only in Jesus. And this is something I work on a lot uh, because I fall into false identities and and I'm always seeking God, and I'm always falling short. That's the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. But God continues to help me to think more like this, that all I need is Jesus. That's the focus of my life. And it's a process, though. Now, if you do that, you can see the truth found here in Thanksgiving for people with Jesus. All right? It's not necessarily about how great my relationships are and my health and my resources. It's uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. 
Rejoice always. You say, well, Dan, I can't rejoice. You, you don't know how many problems I have. And I know I'm sorry that you're struggling right now. But you still can rejoice because Jesus Christ is your Savior. God is your Father. That's something you can rejoice about. Pray without ceasing. Yeah, well, that means dependence on Jesus. And if you've got a lot of problems, one of the reasons God allows problems into your life is that you would depend upon Him. So that's a Christ-centered person, a person who's got problems. We all got problems. That turns to Jesus for all their needs and for the comfort and the encouragement and the wisdom and the strength to endure, uh, to walk each day, even though each day might be painful. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, does that mean that every bad thing that happens to you, you got to give thanks for like. You're driving down 90 and you have a blowout. Your tire goes flat. You pull over to the side and you think to yourself, I am so thankful. I got a flat tire. I'm so thankful I'm going to be late to work. I'm so thankful I'm putting this on Facebook right now. I'm calling my wife. Honey, you would not believe it. I, I didn't expect it today, but I'm so glad it happened. I'm sitting here on 90. Cars are, it's, it's, it's 15 degrees out. And I have a flat tire. <laughs> no, no, no. No, that's not what it's saying. It says, give thanks in all, in, in the circumstance. Because you know if you respond properly to the power of the Holy Spirit, that God is going to provide for you in that circumstance. That God is going to teach you about Himself through that circumstance. That you are going uh, to experience Jesus in a deeper way if you again give that circumstance over to God. That, that's, a, that's the way of thanking God in everything. To rejoice always. To pray without ceasing because of the deep work that God is doing uh, in your life. Now friends, I'm really excited about what I'm about to share with you. Uh, I, I really uh, I think this is going to be cool. Okay? So, again, at Thanksgiving, relationships, resources, help. Keep on thanking God for that. You know it. Good, good, good stuff. But at the same time, let's go deeper. And let's really start to thank God for the stuff that really counts, that is always going to be with us. And that's our identity in Christ. I want you to take this yellow sheet out. This is a sheet that uh, I uh, got these resources off the Internet. This is references and things of that nature. There's a lot of different lists out there. I think this is a good summary of who you are in Christ. I'm accepted in Christ. I'm secure in Christ. I am significant in Christ. And for the rest of this year, my challenge for you is to say these biblical affirmations daily out loud. How many remember Stuart Smalley from Saturday Night Live? I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. Right? That was so funny. Uh, Al Franken. You can look it up on... YouTube, if uh, you're not familiar with it. But, uh, you know, biblical affirmations, not just affirmations, okay? What God says about you because you are a Christ follower. What I want you to do, what I'm asking each of you to do, is every day say each of these 33 things about who you are in Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to ask you each day, uh, to take one of these things and look up the verse and meditate upon who you are 
in Jesus Christ. And have that be the foundation of your busy, hectic holiday season. Not how things go with the family. Not if you get the gifts that you want. I mean, there's all kinds of stresses out there, right? And there's all kinds of depression out there as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. I was just talking with some guys who were visiting our church uh, for the first, second time. And they, 911 uh, Central over in Arlington Heights, like 700,000 people they cover. And they were just talking about all the suicides in the holiday season, all the domestic uh, domestic issues, things of that nature. I mean, the holiday season can be very challenging. It can't. So the point is, let's find our foundation in Jesus, all right? So I want you to stand up at this point, and we're going to read these out together, all right? So stand up, and uh, let's read these together, all right? I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord, and I am one spirit with Him. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I have been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I am free forever from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident the good work that God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I can find grace and mercy in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am salt and light of the earth. I am a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am God's temple. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am God's co-worker. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And how do people's, how do God's people respond to that, huh? Amen. Oh, come on, come on now, come on, bring it on, bring it on, right? Come on, come on. This is where you live. This is where you should live every day of your life. Satan doesn't want you to live here. He wants to keep you all discouraged and depressed and that kind of thing. And, but, friends, when you find your identity in Christ, that's going to carry you through life no matter what comes your way. And let's just pray for a moment. This is my, I'm going to pray again for our, our, our people who are getting ready for things. But I just want to pray uh, for those who don't know Jesus right now. Now, you said those things, but maybe you really don't know Jesus. And we talked about this earlier, the fact are you still depending on your good works to get to heaven? If I came to you and said, you think you go to heaven tonight? And you'd say, well, I've been a pretty good person. Wrong, wrong answer. Wrong answer. No. The only answer is yes, Jesus. Jesus is the answer. I've trusted Jesus. And if you have not come to that point, I want you to come to that point today if you feel so led. All right? Just pray with me. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can do nothing 
They're in a relationship with you. I'm, I'll never be good enough. I repent of my sin. I want to turn to your way. I want Jesus Christ to save me. Thank you uh, for Christ's death on the cross. I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I want to be part of your family. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, you don't have to pray it over and over again. Just one time you need to pray it. All right? And you're good. You're good. God's going to start to do wonderful things in your life. I just, let me pray, Lord, I want to thank you for those who've made that prayer today. I pray that they would walk in their new life, that they would find joy in their new life. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Now, I hope you made that decision. Please write that down in your communication card uh, if you did. And uh, let's uh, go to the next item here, uh, the challenge. Uh, This is what I want you to do. Uh, With these challenges, with these affirmations, I want you to read these out loud every day, all 33 of them, okay, Uh, to remind who you are in Christ. I encourage you to take this this insert and and keep it somewhere handy and maybe do it throughout the day, especially when you're struggling. Uh, Daily meditation. Each day look up one of the verses and meditate upon it. Dig into each of those verses. Then public praise. Post on Facebook daily uh, this week. I'm thankful because, and then post the verse. How many are on Facebook? Have a Facebook account. Raise your hand. Let me see. All right. Well, this is my personal challenge to you as a pastor, that every day, well, first of all, make me your friend. I'm looking for friends, okay? Help me out here. All right? Now, I'm not very active on Facebook, but I'll be active this week, I'll tell you. <laughs> but I want to see, you know, you guys praising uh, the Lord. So all you have to do is, I'm thankful because, and then you just fill in one of those uh, one of those biblical truths about who you are in Christ. And then you look up the verse on the Internet. Just type the verse in, and we'll give you whatever translation you want. And then put that as part of your post. Wouldn't this be so cool, you know, I mean, just to see multiple posts this week about just saying, I am thankful, not because, again, everything is wonderful with the things you're thankful for. But not many people post, uh, not a lot of people, let's say, post, I'm thankful because I'm I'm a child of God. I'm thankful because I'm a saint. Well, you better be careful with the saint one. <laughs> You'll probably get some weird comments on that one. I'm thankful I'm a saint. Yeah, right. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm serious about this, guys, okay? Let's speak out to our friends about what truly is true about us. And, and it'll be interesting to see what they might say to you. Uh, again, let, let's identify ourselves as Christ followers. And, and the point is, it's not about us. It's about what Jesus has made us, right? Amen. Amen. No doubt about it. Uh, Well, let's uh, pray again. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the time we've had to talk about our identity in Christ. And thank you for this Thanksgiving week. Uh, We look forward to it so much. Uh, Some might not. I understand that. And I pray that they would find their comfort in you if they're struggling right now in life. It's a difficult time of facing family. Uh, maybe their family is a dangerous place, and I pray that you protect them, uh, but I pray that we would find our core joy in you. I could never be changed by life uh, circumstances. Help us all to continue to grow uh, in that way. In Christ's name, amen. All right, I want to talk about our year-end offering. I'm going to get a letter this week introducing it. Great. All right, well, for those who didn't, uh, the purpose of our year-end offering, we have it every year, obviously, to express our love to God for a year of His goodness by giving over and above our regular giving to special 
uh, ministry projects. So the elders choose these different projects. Uh, so let's take a look at them. Uh, we have chosen uh, to give uh, Lake in the Hills Elementary School $5,000. Why are we doing this? Well, because of a, part of our heartstrong initiative is we want to bless a local school. So Lake in the Hills, that's where we started uh, the ministry. That's where God gave us to start meeting in 1996. And so we have started a kid, uh, Kids Hope Initiative uh, where we have I think, 13 mentors going in, helping kids on a weekly basis. We want to continue to invest in this school and love this school, heart strong for our community. And so I called Tammy Poole up, the principal there, and I said, listen, as part of our year-end offering, we'd like to give you $5,000. She was quite surprised by that. And I said, yeah, we just want to show God's love to people uh, in your school. In fact, there was another individual who found out about it before it was even published because this good news traveled fast, I guess. And uh, so they're still trying to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> so that's fine. We just want to bless you with it. So uh, we're excited about that. The second item uh, is a worship ministry equipment. We've had lean budgets uh, the last several years. We haven't been able to replace uh, equipment. Uh, the worship ministry appreciate John Jackson's leadership so much. So we want to make sure that uh, they have everything they need. They need to buy some more wireless mics and in-ear monitors so they can hear each other up here. It gets quite loud. And uh, so... Enhancing that ministry. The third item is the youth room improvements. We've uh, had our junior high and senior high used to meet on Tuesday and Thursday. Now they both meet on Thursday, and uh, we're blowing the doors off. I mean, we've had record attendances uh, recently. Isn't that great? Praise God for that, huh? Yeah. Appreciate Pastor Justin so much. So uh, he's got a ceiling that needs to be repaired. He needs doors uh, that need to be replaced. Uh, he needs a... TV screen monitor uh, for teaching, needs some storage, so they'll be going toward his ministry. And then, uh, finally, we have children's ministry enhancements to buy some equipment for Michelle Howe and the Kids City, uh, helping them with some equipment as well as enhancing our theme back there uh, with Kids City. So it's a total of $15,000. So I ask you to pray about what God would have you to give over and above what you typically give uh, to the ministry at Springbrook as a way of blessing all of these different uh, people, you have a special offering envelope there, and you can notate that in the other uh, section. So if we could have our ushers come forward at this time, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for an exciting opportunity to bless, to bless Lake in the Hills Elementary, uh, to bless, uh, of course, uh, people in our ministry as we disciple uh, kids especially. I pray that you would uh, use these gifts uh, to expand your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to stand with us and let's continue to celebrate our identity uh, with Christ, celebrating how much God loves us. He is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath with his wind and mercy. All of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipse my glory and realize just how beautiful you are and your affections are for me. 
You may be seated. We're going to have our prayer team come forward at this time. And oh, how he loves us. You can just think about that one all week long. How much he loves us. His grace covers everything. How he cherishes us. We're going to have a time of thanksgiving right now. And we're going to sing Great Is Thy Faithfulness, which is such a powerful song based on Lamentations 3. And talks about how God's mercies are new every morning and how God carries us in difficult times. We want this to be a time of rejoicing, thanksgiving. So uh, as we sing this song, we'd like you to remain seated, all right? And we'd like you to come forward and tell us what you're thankful for. Let us rejoice with you about what God is doing in your life or has done in your life this past year. Now, certainly you can come forward for any request you have. That's great. Whatever your need is, we'd love to pray for you. But I want to encourage you also to come forward with thanksgiving. Come forward to give God the glory. Tell the story of what he's done in your life. Give testimony to his work in your life. And we're going to close our service differently. After they get done singing the song, that will officially be the end of the service. But they're going to continue to play instrumentally. We're going to continue to remain up here. You can do three things. Number one, you can come up and pray with us after the service. Number two, you can stay seated for a a time, a couple minutes, whatever you need. to kind of process through what God spoke to you about during this service or prepare your heart and mind for uh, the Thanksgiving week. Uh, Or you can leave. Uh, You can enter. But please leave quietly. Okay, so as soon as they're done singing, that is the end of the service. So if you got to go, you can go out. We're not keeping you, but... <laughs> I just have to be clear, because sometimes people get confused when we do stuff like this. I say, should I leave? Should I not leave? Yeah. It's like, when they stop singing, okay? 